Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Selig Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen. My guest on the show today will be former Celtic and Motherwell goalkeeper, Barry John Corr. This episode has been sponsored by Paddy's Point Bar and Restaurant, Lasagna, Spain, home of the Paddy's Point CSC. If your business or CSC would like to sponsor the podcast, please email us at info at CelticFanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. I sat down to watch the match on Saturday and what a positive sight to see 300 Ross County fans allowed into the stadium in Dingwall for Celtic's visit. Let's hope that this is the step towards Celtic fans getting back into paradise to see the boys in the coming months. It was a dream debut for Shane Duffy. Three goals and three SPL appearances for Ayeti. Vargas had his best performance between the sticks. We saw five goals, five goal scorers, a few players making the debut, and as I said, 300 fans back in the ground. We even got a look at Sorrow, a very positive afternoon all round. Neil Lennon described it as a good performance, but not a great one and that we will get better. Now all eyes look towards Paisley and the rearranged fixture against St Mirren tomorrow night. The game was postponed due to Bollingolly Gate, but the player has now left Glasgow Airport once again. This time he'll be away for more than one night. Bolly has gone out on loan to Istanbul and he'll be there for the rest of the season. Sky Sports have dropped the game tomorrow night and will not be covering it as English football is back. But Celtics fans can pay to stream the game from St Mirren for 12 50 Overseas fans apart from Irish basements can watch the game on Celtic TV as part of the subscription. So far this season we have paid to watch Celtic with our virtual season ticket on Premier Sports, Sky Sports and last Saturday we had to pay Ross County for the privilege and now St Mirren are getting a couple of quid for Celtic's visit. Do you ever feel that the average Celtic fan on the street is getting screwed? Yeah, me too. Barry John Carr was born in Glasgow in 1981. He would go on to sign S-Farms at Celtic before signing as a professional on his 16th birthday. He made his one and only first-team appearance for Celtic in 1999 as injury hampered his career. He left Celtic for Motherwell in 2003 
and he now works in the property business in Glasgow. Hi, Barry. Thanks for joining us on the Celtic Soul podcast. How has life been during these strange times of lockdowns and COVID-19? Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um, like everyone, it has been a bit surreal. It's been tough times, but um, you just got to manoeuvre through it as best you can. Yeah, it's, it's strange as well having to watch football the whole time on TV with no access to going to, to games or even for some people they can't even go to the pub to watch the game. Yeah. We had a good win on Saturday, but Shane Duffy grabbed all the headlines. But as a goalkeeper, you, you must have been impressed with the new boy Barkas between the sticks. Do you still follow the fortunes of Celtic? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, we still follow them very closely. Um, go to most of the games, which we can. But um, no, the new, new keeper, I thought he had a good game Saturday. Uh, another clean sheet that will do him the, the world of good. But a couple of decent stops as well. Um, even though the scoreline suggested a comfortable win, Ross County had a couple of couple of decent chances. Um, and if they go in, you know, at, at those times in the match, it could have um, it could have changed things. But luckily, the goalie saved them um, and kept that clean sheet. Yeah, he made one really good save when he got down real low, and it looked as if his vision was impaired. Yeah, no, he's, he's had a good start to his, to his Celtic career. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching them. It's a lot of money they've spent for a goalkeeper. Mm. Um, particularly in Scottish football, it's a, it's a hell of a, a transfer fee. So um, no, so far, so good. He's settled in quite well. And listen, keeping your goalkeeper's hat on, how hard would it be now for Scott Vane? He's been dropped again to the bench. Uh, mm. All the summer headlines was Forster, Joe Hart, blah, blah, blah. You know, how does that affect a keeper? Because he will be called on at some stage. Yeah, listen, it'll be tough for him. Um, definitely it'll be tough for him getting dropped out the side because any time the boy's played, he's done really well. He has, even before Fraser Foster came back up, he got a, a prolonged period in the first side, in the first team and uh, he never let anyone down. So any time he's been called upon, he's done great. And yeah, what you said there, there's been a, a few different names been mentioned and linked with the club over the last couple of months. Um, but he's just got to keep working hard. I'm sure Stevie Woods will keep him on track, keep him focused. And if he's called upon again, I'm sure he'll, he'll do himself. Um, I'll not let him, anyone down, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, he never really has. Like, like you couldn't pick a Scott Ben performance out and go, you know, he was really bad in that. He's always been quite solid. Yeah. I think Neil Lennon's very fortunate. He's got two very good goalkeepers and he's got younger ones there as well who can step in. Um, cause I've seen a few of them in reserve games and youth team games. So, yeah, they're all working well with, um, with Stevie Woods. And like I say... New Wayne is lucky that he's got two goalkeepers that he can rely on. You're happy enough with uh, Big Duffy coming in, Shane Duffy comes in, and as a goalkeeper, would you like him in front of you? That's a fantastic sign, isn't it? It really is. Loads of experience. Irish captain. You know, it's, I thought he was tremendous on Saturday there. Albeit it's not the greatest test defensively against Ross County. But um, I thought he looked really composed, done great for his goal as well. And like I say, he's got a wealth of experience coming up here. I think it could go down in history as part of that team that they kick on this year and win the league. And another player that made his debut and come from one of your former clubs, Turnbull, he's been out for a year with injury and he's battled back. You know, he was how hard would it be for him? He's in the he's in the Celtic boardroom, he signs and then he fails a medical. Like mentally that must be so challenging for him. And he showed he's shown some really positive signs to come back from that. Yeah, listen, I haven't actually seen the boy play at all, but the way things panned out last year, um, it had been devastating for him, um, I'm sure, at the time. But listen, fair play to him. He's worked hard. He's come back. He's still got his move. And I, I don't know if something was in play before, maybe last year, 
uh, between the, the club and the player. I don't know that, but listen, he's got his move now and fair play to him. So good luck to him. That midfield is packed with talent, but he may have to wait to impress. Yeah, yeah it's, listen, I think as a Celtic player, you're always going to have competition for place, places in the side. Um, even more so middle of, the, middle of the field. And there's plenty of quality there, so it's just up to him, really. If he gets a chance, he's going to have to grab it with both hands. Yeah, it was good. I, I suppose this Saturday gave a chance for Neil Lennon because we were so comfortable near the end. Although, as you said, you know the scoreline maybe flattered us a bit because they, they did put up... I was very impressed at the fact that they didn't park the bus, came out and they tried to play. Yeah. I, I like the way we set up on Saturday there. Um, we went two up top with a back three. I think a lot of the games in Scottish football, they could do that, you know, because more often than not, Celtic are on the front foot in Scotland. So um, having the two up front, wide players putting balls in the box, I, I was I like the, the look of it. Hopefully they'll continue with that. Ah, it was good to see a Yeti starting. Uh, I, love to, I love to see two up front. And, you know, we still yeah. have Lee Griffiths to come back. Yeah, listen, he's a gold machine. He just needs to get himself in the side. But yeah, listen, New England's got plenty of options now, which is great. A really good, strong squad. It's a big season, a, a huge season. And if they do, obviously, they're all going down in history. It's that team that done the 10. So, um, no, it'd be, it'd be great to be part of it. Um, the boys that have come up in the new signings, I'm sure they've been well well briefed on the importance of this season. I'm sure, um, sure they'll realise that already. Um, even the foreign lads who came in, obviously Shane Duffy will understand right away being a, being a Celtic man himself. But the foreign lads, I'm sure they'll be well, well briefed on the importance of this season. Just before we take a step back, um, across the city, they have improved. You know, they're not conceding goals. So it will be a tougher challenge this year. And then there's going to be added pressure of that 10. Yeah, listen, they're, they're throwing everything at it, aren't they? They're spending a few quid now. And they've had a great start to the season. Um, not conceding goals, as you mentioned there. So they've, they've kind of tightened up at the back and they're now scoring goals from all over the, the place now. Whereas maybe last year they're relying on one striker to score goals. But um, yeah, listen, they're going through everything at it. They, they know the, the, um, the magnitude of getting that 10 because they were close to it themselves a while back. So there's always pressure playing for both clubs. There's huge demand from the, the supporters, albeit they're not in the ground. But worldwide, the, the fan base has always, it's always been there and always will be there. So yeah, there's huge demand in both clubs. So it's a, it makes an interesting season. Now, Gary Bray made comments about uh, Duffy on an, on an Irish uh, media platform that, you know, he wouldn't come up against decent strikers and none of them would be in the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. You know, do you think that um, people have, haven't played for the likes of Seligar Rangers? They don't really realise the pressure that's on every game, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, look, there's huge demand. You know, the supporters demand that from you as well. Um, I think... Yeah, you're right. Down down south, they don't give it the um, don't give it much credit. To be fair, but you've, you've seen so many top players from the English Premier League come up to Scotland, and they just can't cut it. They can't really grasp the demand that every single match you have to win. Now, if you draw, it's a crisis up here. It's it's bizarre, but that's just the the way it is. You know, every single match, there's it's a cup final for the opposition. Um, they're all trying to to um, take a scalp um, by beating Celtic or Rangers. So, yeah, some boys just can't handle that mentality. So, listen, for Duffy to come up here, leaving the English Premier League, um, playing against world-class every single week, to come up here, it's a, it just shows you how big a pool Celtic is. Yeah, especially for him as well, because uh, he knows the story. You know, yeah. Derry boy and 
you know, he he opted he opted after playing youth football, but not on to come down and play for the South. So he'll know the story, which is yeah. which is always which is always great because especially in this season, because like I know the foreign players will have been well told what's expected yeah. this season, but I think you just go that you know he'll. And yeah, he's, the type of think, player, he's the type of player that would stick his head in, you know, of his foot yeah, in anyway. Yeah, listen, if it was any other season, I'm not too sure he would have been attracted to come up, um, even though he is seen as a Celtic fan. But the fact that you're going for that 10, and it's a huge season to be part of something. And like I said, if they do it, they can do it in history. He said all the right things as well. Like, he, 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 hasn't, put, he hasn't put his mouth wrong or a foot wrong. He's just, he's, you know, the, the fans have really bought into him coming. And I think he was saying, you know, I think when he said that, you know, Celtic have to want you as well, I think he was showing a lot of respect. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the fans love all that chat. You know, one of one of their own playing for the club. I mean, instantly, he's got everyone in his corner. Um, the crowd are good, but the crowd will back any, anyone that pulls on the jersey. The crowd will back them. Yeah. You know, so he's up here. He's said all the right things. Had a brilliant start. Clean sheet for him. Got a goal as well. Um, I think he's a big threat. The opposition box as well is shown on Saturday. Um, I think did he not score for for Ireland recently yeah. as well? He scored. He scored against Bulgaria. Yeah, going against. I've been lucky enough to see Shane uh, over thirty times for Ireland. I was in the stadium in France when 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 he played against. It may have been his his, his full debut against Italy, and he was absolutely outstanding that night. And he got sent off against France in the next game. So we had a love-hate relationship with him that week when we were coming back from the Euros. But now I haven't seen much of him at Brighton, but in Ireland, he's never let the team down. He's always, you know, and as you say, up in the other box. He scored, I think he scored about in both legs of the playoff against Denmark as well. He's really a threat from set pieces once they yeah. can get delivered to that back post. Definitely. We, we spoke there about him knowing the story. One man that knows the story of Celtic is a very famous name is Willie McStay. Now, Willie coached you in the youth and when, and when you were playing with the reserves. How important is people like Willie to young players coming up to be at the club? Like you played alongside Mark Butch and Stephen Craney who all went on to play for the first team mm-hmm. including yourself. Like how important is people like Willie at the club I think when I was there, obviously, he was the, the head of youth. And you just have to look at the number of boys that came through and played first-team football. Um, and back then, it was, obviously, it's a really good side. A lot of money getting thrown about. But he was still producing players coming through. I'll be honest, at that time, when you're a teenager, you don't appreciate it. The, you don't appreciate the way he was with us. You know, there was times where you'd fall out with him, we'd have arguments. It's just part and parcel of being in football. But... As you move on to other clubs and you realise he was by far the best coach by a million miles. You know, not just be coaching, but also the demands that he put on you to push you um, and even just how to be a man as well, how to behave on and off the field. So it was for me, it was everything um, at that time. I'm sure a lot of the kids at that age, it's just, you're at that age, you're young, you're not as maybe wise as you are when you get older, but once you, you move on and work with other people, you realise just how good he was. It was really fantastic for me. Like I said, we had arguments and we'd fallouts, but it was all in the, the best interests to help me. You know, and maybe sometimes I didn't realise that as a, a 17, 18-year-old kid, but um, for me, it was unbelievable. I still talk to him to this day. I still see him up at some of the games. My son plays there now as well, so I still see him up there. 
he's a gentleman. I always say, um, like when you ring Willie, he answers the phone. Like he, he he's always been, he's always a good pal. Uh, I've met him over the years. I've interviewed him, and uh, funny enough, I bump into him at a lot of Ireland games because he's always over watching the underage teams, and then he'll come, he'll come along, you know, the following night to, to watch the first team, and he, I'm sure he'll be reporting back on someone in that as well. And hopefully he'll be on the show later on the week with us because uh, it'd be nice to talk to him again. Yeah, that'd um, be good. And like the players he's worked with as well. Now you played with some some players and people tell me, you know, Kieran Tierney wasn't the best player coming through the youth system. He was, mm-hmm. he, he was left out of a youth team and he got his chance to train with the force team. And that's when Ronnie Delia seen him and soon after gave him his debut. When, you're, when you were coming through, was, was there any players that really stuck out within the youth system? Um, it's funny that because see when you're there's plenty of players out there that in training they look world class they look unbelievable and then when you go into a game it's like what happened where where this boy come from but um, listen we we had a great side coming through uh, we all played together from like 14s 15s 16s right up to 18s and most of us played first team football somewhere so we did a great side we really did and yeah, listen, I still talk to all the guys to this day that I grew up with, which is it's a special bond that you have with the, the guys that you grew up with. Um, it's nice that we can still all, sometimes we'll meet up for a beer or whatever, even to this day. Well, which is brilliant that, that uh, you still hook up with the boys. Like you, you're obviously, you know, Celtic fan coming through, you know, signing s farms must have been a massive for you, even before you signed as professional, just to, just to be part of Celtic. Yeah, I think... Most kids grow up, they want to be a footballer, don't they? Well, I not me, I was rubbish. <laughs> I bet you still wanted to be, though. Well, my, my ambition was to be to carry the water. <laughs> um, yeah, so when, I've, when I was a kid, I just wanted to be a goalkeeper and be the Celtic goalkeeper. I had no interest in being a footballer or, or playing for anyone else. It was just, I wanted to be Pat Bonner. That was the thing for me. Like, I remember every single home game, it was back when they, what, it's the old terracing. My dad would take me to the, I'd have to make sure and put pressure on my dad, make sure we're in for no later than 2.15 so I can watch Pat Bonner do his warm-up. And I'd stand at the front of the, the old Celtic end. I'd have to be right down the front so I could see everything. Um, I'd watch everything that he did, what boots he wore, what gloves he wore. I had to have the same. Um, everything he'd done. And the funny thing was, because he was then coming to the end of his playing career, um, Tommy Burns obviously made him goalkeeping coach and when he asked me to come in and train it was a massive thing for me you know it was, so I signed my S form it was under like, Pat Bonner and the Tommy Burns era but one of the I remember this well we played a game one night under I think it was under 13s and we won the game 3-0 and I'd done really really well even though we, we won the match and I didn't have a great deal to do but that night, Tommy Burns was actually watching the match and after the match, he pulled aside my dad and says, can you come in tomorrow and train with the first team? And I'm 13. I'm 13 year old, but I wanted, well, I had to get a day off school, which was great. Um, oh. And I was training the next day at 13 with the, all the first team goalkeepers, Pat Bonner, Gordon Marshall, Stuart Kerr. It was, it was surreal. You know, it was just amazing for me. And then, Within a year, I'd signed that S form. Yeah, so yeah, that was everything for me. There's the whole link with Pat Bonner, falling about and stuff, Celtic, and then it all kind of 
and all materialised, which was a dream for me. And at 16, you sign professional phones and you become a Celtic player, professional Celtic player. So your dream now is your dream now is on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we left school at 16, signed for two years. And I'm not going to lie, I found it so difficult. I'm a, I just couldn't adapt to the full-time training, the demands on it every single day. I, I wasn't cutting it, I'll be totally honest. I wasn't cutting it at all. And at the end of that first year, um, I was told by Willie and it was Eric Black at the time he was there, Eric and Kenny, they they pulled me into the office and said, you've got a year's, a year's contract left, you can still come in and train, however, you're not going to get a game for the, for the youth team at all because we've got other boys moving up. So that was me, I was devastated, I remember. Wow. Absolutely devastated that after one year I was told I can go. Um, I remember it well, the, the bus all the way home, sat at the back of the bus on my own tears. Couldn't believe it. Um, but listen, I came back after the summertime. I worked so hard, I came back super fit. And right away from the first day in pre-season, I just hit the ground running. I was like a different player. Um, and that's that. I played every week. And then that got me into the first team squad. So I think they were, they were right in one sense to say that I wouldn't play in the youth team, but I didn't realise it was going to go that way. Yeah, it's funny because, like, you know, you said, you know, watching Packy Bonner, Packy Bonner comes and, you know, signs at Ness Farms, Tommy Bones, the names you mentioned, Kane the Gleish, Willie McStay. And then after a year, you're told, you're not yeah. cutting it. But then you showed great um, ambition to come back and say, no, I'm going to. Because another kid just would have melted. Yeah, possibly. I've always had that within me, to be fair. Um, if somebody says something to me that you're, you're no good or you can't do that or whatever, it it kind of it strikes a chord inside me. What kind of thing? I'm, I'll show you. And that's what I did. I went away over the summer, worked so hard, got myself so fit. And as soon as we get back into pre-season, yeah, there was more competition for places. Even just as being a goalkeeper for the youth team, there was another three boys that came in full time. Um, but right away, I started started really well. And did you tell your dad when you went back that day, or did you hide it from him? No, I told him. I told him, and I didn't come out of my room for about a week. I was that gutted. I really was. Now, you showed mental strength, obviously, to come back at such a young age and claim that first team place with the youths. But, you know, you had a lot of injuries as well. Is it, is it mentally challenging and hard on a young person, you know, to, to, when you're trying to catch the manager's eye and someone, someone's, you know, you're getting overlooked or you get injured? How hard can that be? It was, back then, it was difficult because if you were doing really well, like you're playing week in, week out then for a reserve team. It didn't matter how many games in a row that I played well. Like for example, I could play four or five games on the bounce, get four or five clean sheets in the bounce, even if I was the best player on the pitch. It didn't matter. See if one of the first team goalkeepers wanted a game. You had to step aside and just let them play, which even to this day, I still think it's wrong. But that's just the way it was. And because you're only a kid, you're 17, 18 years old, you're not going to charge into the manager and say what's going on here I demand to play you don't do that at that age who, who was dropping down out of them teams to play with the reserves yeah, every so often Stuart Kerr would fancy a game he would come down um, and then maybe further on you had Dimitri Karin um, who else at that time I'm trying to think the goalkeepers were Brotto Javier he Brotto he, eventually he, he, he was a good keeper you know, yeah he'd done okay yeah he'd done okay it was just, at that time, it was frustrating because you were in and out of reserve team. You're training with the first team. 
Yeah, it didn't matter how well you did. You were never going to play if they wanted a game. But you did play. You did. You know. You, you got. You did get that debut. You must have thought then. You know. I've made my debut. Here I am. I'm in the shirt now. Um, the way that happened, obviously, at that time, um, a lot of the boys were putting the. It was the under eighteen rule or under twenty one rule. Was it? You had to put two of them in your squad. So a lot of the clubs were putting a like a substitute goalkeeper on the bench. And because very, 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 very rarely um, would a goalkeeper come on as a sub. So when Gildy got injured at Tynecastle, it's the whole, I thought, wow, here we go. You know, um, back then, Tynecastle was a brilliant um, stadium. It really was. The crowd are right on top of you. Yeah. Um, it's a really hostile atmosphere. We were still going for the title then as well, still going neck and neck with Rangers. And Hearts were a decent side then as well. Some really good players. So that no, was good. Enjoyed it. I can still remember it every minute of it, to be fair. Yeah. I bet you big smile on your face that night when you were there for a point. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know what, that was one of the only, probably one of the few games my dad wasn't at. He was sat, my dad came everywhere, right from a young age. Everywhere, home, away, all over the country, he would come and watch. I don't know why he wasn't there that night. So he sat at home, and then when we got home, obviously he'd been to the pub afterwards. And I think I don't think he had to put his hand in his pocket. To be fair, ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant. It's just a pity he missed it because, uh, but he probably thought like everybody, you know, he's a keeper, he's the boy, he's 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 gonna he's gonna start, you know, getting into the team now. But it it, it didn't materialize. Listen, see to this day, I still believe I should have played on the Saturday after that. Except I played well. I did play well that night, given all the pressures. Live on Sky, and you know the, the amount of people watch Celtic over the world, the hostile atmosphere on the handle, but no problem. You know, so I think when you do get forced into those situations, your whole game rises. You just you're more switched on, you're more focused. You, your game just lifts up a few levels, um, just by having that pressure. Yeah, and most of the time, bigger the pressure, the better I played. I don't know why it happened, but. Anytime it's a more important game or a bigger crowd or I knew there was more at stake, I always perform much better. Whereas if you put me in front of like two men and a dog, I'd probably make a few mistakes. So a big game player. That's it. I've never played too many big games. <laughs> no, but look, Jesus, I think it's, it's everybody's dream to, to pull on the, the jersey. And like you were at the club for so long. Yeah, still youngest to ever do it. That's a fact. Really, yeah? Yeah. Still the youngest to ever playing goals. And listen, um, you were there, like, all of, you had, were you injured the year of Seville? Yes. That yeah. was the, that was the year of the season, was it? I had a bad back injury. The way it worked out, when Martin O'Neill first came in, Martin O'Neill's first season, I got put out on loan to Queen's Park. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Played every week. You're playing at the National Stadium most weeks. So it was great. And then during that time, I had, um, I broke my back in two places. Um, while on loan which wasn't um, we didn't pick up on that initially we thought it was just a stiff back um, scans weren't showing anything and I still continued to play and train through it for a few months um, summertime came with back then you got about 8 or 9 weeks off it's not, not the way it is today but I came back after that thinking that I'd be fine but the pain was still there and this went on for another 6 months I wasn't I actually had to come off um, from training where we're hoping a bit of rest would cure it, but nothing happened. And then we went for so many different scans. 
Um, it just so happens one of the things we went just before Christmas I remember it was um, they said no you've, you've got a, st- a stress fracture on two of your vertebrae so that was me it took almost a year to diagnose it and then to fix it it was a, a big operation um, the operation I was told before it listen just forget about football together here forget about that there's a chance here you might wake up from this operation and you might not be able to walk ever again so it was either live in pain the rest of your life or get it sorted. And I, even though the doctor and the surgeon told me that, I still believed I could play. And it turned out I was right. Thank God. But that's, that was two years out. Two years out it took because a year to, to find the problem and a year recovery after. So you were away. You went out on loan when Martin came in. Yeah. And then you were out then for two years. Yes. I, you would have been still out injured with the, on that run to Seville, were you? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't training at all. I actually didn't come back to training until it was the summer just after Seville. I started doing pre-season again. That was me f- back in fitness again. And that was summer of 2003. Um, I went to Sweden with the first team, played a couple of games and done really well. And then they were going to America, if I remember. But... I was told then from Martin that I was um, from Martin Neil, you've been out injured for two years, the club's not getting anything back from you, so we're going to let you go. Which to this day I still think is ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. You know, who's going to take me after two years' injury with a back injury? You know, clubs' budgets are tight everywhere. Why would they take a gamble on someone with a bad back? Um, fortunately enough, Terry Butcher at Mullerwell did. But even to this day, the way I think about it, I was, what, 20, 21. I think I was um, and Martin Neal was obviously manager of Celtic I'm not going to argue with him and stand up for yourself the way I would today but back then it was a sore one to take you know the club are throwing 20, 30, 40,000 pounds a week on certain guys and I was on hundreds it's not as if I was costing I was crippling the club with my, my wages mm. nowhere near it um, and even the fact that it took the club a year to diagnose it Were you better with O'Neill? At the time yeah at the time yeah I still don't agree with it. Um, like I said, at that time, a lot of the clubs were, were struggling financially, so their budgets to sign players was tight. So for me to get another move, the time we spoke to a few clubs and they, they came back and said, no, he's been out for two years with a bad back. What if we sign him and he breaks down again? I've thrown my budget onto him. You know, it's, so it was, it was tough to find a club then. It really was. So Terry Butcher took a chance and you were lucky to get, like, still staying in the Premier League. It was good because I didn't have to move away from home. You know, Motherwell's not too far from, from Glasgow. Um, so it made sense at that time as well. My my wife, she was pregnant with my first child. So it made sense. It was just an ideal move. Um, and to be fair, I was going in there. I was told I was going in there as number two from the word go, which was fine. I, I didn't mind that as a, as a challenge. Um, I know you can't guarantee anyone a game, but... The, at that time it was myself and Gordon Marshall again um, so it was great I knew Marsh from Celtic um, so to go and work with him and the two of us were working daily closely um, he was fantastic for me he really was he was brilliant um, just the, the whole the way he was um, on a daily basis um, the way he handled himself the professionalism from him I learned so much even though I wasn't playing I was still watching him so closely and he was brilliant for me even the times that I did play, the support that he gave me, even though I kind of took over and I was playing ahead of him, 
the support that he still gave me was was first class. Yeah, Bojo seemed to, um, and Motherwell seemed to, they seemed to do that. They seemed to take chance because Scott McDonald got his chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, I think he was at Southampton previously and then he came up to Scotland on trial and right away he started scoring goals. Um, at that time, Motherwell had just come out of administration so they they were giving young boys an opportunity. They couldn't buy players. So they were, they, that's what they had to rely on, bringing boys through, young boys, develop them and move them on for a fee. Yeah, because I interviewed Scotty a couple of weeks ago for the show and uh, he did say that because he almost signed for my hometown, which is League of Ireland team, Draw the United. Uh, and he, he, he said the deal was almost done and then he got a trial at Mullerwell. Yeah. And Terry Budger took a chance on him. And now we all know how well Scott done then after that. Yeah, but, uh, you broke me hard first, but we did you play in that game? Were you there for a helicopter Sunday? I was a sub. I was on the bench. And Willie's son was in that squad as well, wasn't he? John? I can't remember if he was on the bench with me or not. I think John was, he was a youth team player when I was at Motherwell. Aye. Um, I'm not sure if he was involved that day. I can't no, remember. I don't think he was, but I think he was part of, the, I think he was in, he was a Motherwell player anyway, I think, at the time, because I think I remember Willie telling me that, because I think Willie went into the dressing room to, to congratulate um, Motherwell, but, you know, I'd say, like, I was yeah. good that day. We had to come back on a, on a dry boat because Rangers fans had wrecked the boat the week before and the bars were closed. And I tell you, it was, it was a long journey down the road. What's it like for, you know, a Celtic fan on the bench? Obviously, you're, you're paid by Motherwell. You've been released by Celtic. It must have been a day of mixed, mixed emotions. Um, not, not really, truth be told. Um, I knew I was leaving Motherwell right after that game. Um, I think the whole dressing room went out his last game of the season. For some reason, they were on double bonus as well. It was bizarre. And you'd have thought they'd won the Champions League after the game. I'd so, say Terry Butcher put the money in himself. <laughs> I don't know about that. But um, I think I was the only one with my face tripping me after the game. I just get changed. didn't even get showered and just up the road, out of the way. I didn't even go out with them. That's how sick I was, to be honest. Yeah, I've always, I've always just found that, you know, you're a professional footballer, they're paying your wages, and, but you're a Celtic fan, you know, and like, we all know that, how, how deep Celtic runs through us. Yeah, listen, see, if I was playing the match, I'd be doing everything in my power to, to stop Celtic. I know that sounds bizarre, but the fact I knew I was leaving, I, the mother, if they won, lost or draw, it didn't matter, they were still finishing fifth, yeah. um, and I knew I was leaving, so I was, I was annoyed at the fact that I wasn't playing, first of all. I should have been playing to this day, um, but for some reason, I never. So right away, my, I had the hump on, and then obviously that happened in the last minute. And the, the way I saw everyone celebrate after it, it was, it was unreal. So I just get, put my suit back on and buggered off, and that was the last they saw me. I think, uh, I think now when the listeners are listening to this, you'll have gone way off in their estimations for the fact that you didn't go in. No, I had no interest in... I was, I was sick, just like every other Celtic fan that day. And the, oh, I, the way it played out as well, you know, just getting the two goals in the last minute. Um, yeah, I was, the dressing room was going bananas after the game. They're all going nuts. Double bonus as well, so they're all happy with that. I was just, just I'm leaving anyway, just get me out of here. Well, uh, was Mr. Butcher very happy? Just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> Now listen, you moved on and you, and you played. You played. Uh, you played up till what? Two thousand and nine. Um, about then, yeah, yeah. Changing direction then when you retire. How's life been since then? And like, you're in the property business now. Have have has your football connections been any use to you? 
Then a lot of this, the football pals that I grew up with, they are they're now working with us, we're helping them out. Um I actually got into property at a young age and obviously that's been twenty years now we've been involved in property. Things have just grew over the years. And we've now got our own coaching programme as well to help out people get started in property and how to do things the way we do it, um, which is beneficial to a lot of people. But um yeah, that's my my portfolio. It's allowed me to be full-time and be very relaxed about life as well. You know, I'm not worrying about, I know right now there's a lot of redundancies and stuff coming up. I'm very fortunate that I did this at a young age in the property and built it up. So we've got a strong, a really strong portfolio there that it's given us a lot of freedom to do what we want to do when we want to do it, which I'm fortunate for. So if the wife throws me out, I'll be all right for flat in Glasgow? Yeah, give us a shout. <laughs> So what's the future hold for you? Um, we'll continue doing the property. We'll continue adding stuff to the portfolio. We're going to keep helping people out as well on our coaching programme. That's that's great. I enjoy that. You know, There's a sense of you feel good that you've helped someone. And once they, they carry out exactly what you've said to do, um, even if they didn't believe it, they could do it themselves. But once they actually do it and they turn around and say, oh, thanks a lot, now you really helped me. It's You do get a, a buzz from that. Um, I'll continue my son's in the under 18 side now as well um, so I'm still going to be up at Lennox Town often watching him um, yeah so that's that tell us a little bit your son yeah he's a he's a centre back not a goalkeeper he's um, yeah centre back he's been in full time now um, for he started last summer so he's been in for a year already and then in May just passed he signed a three year contract so he'll be there for the next three years, hopefully. And we'll, we'll see where that goes. He's got a great attitude, big, fat, athletic boy. Good luck to him. Some set up up in Lennox Town for him now, isn't it? It is. It's a lot different from when I was there. Um, it's, it's bizarre, the facilities now. It's, it's unreal. When we were at under-18s, back then, everyone was based at Barrafield. This was long before Lennox Town was even thought of. And it was actually the, three, the, the first team, reserves team and youth team, all trained on Barrafield, um, which at the time it was great because you could look over and see how the first team do things and uh, see how they behave and what have you. Whereas now the under-18 side are based at Barrafield and the first team in reserves are up at Lennox Town. So, um, yeah, the teams have got the full of Barrafield and it's it's great for them. Falling in the, st- in the footsteps of the Lisbon Lions and plenty of legends training on that pitch. It was good <laughs> enough for them. It's good enough for anyone. <laughs> I've heard that term uh, that um, statement so often but um, yeah I think we've got to keep up with the times as well I know they have improved certain parts of it and I'm sure they've got plans to upgrade the place as well It's funny I, I was I was, I went to, a friend of mine's son was playing for underage he's just moved to Hamilton uh, Liam McLeish and Stephen had said to me he's playing this morning and I was I was doing an interview um, in Glasgow with a player and I had I had, I had a laptop bag with me and I went down to watch the game and so I'm chatting to Stephen on the side and then Liam comes over after the game and I'm chatting to him. As soon as he got in the dressing room, the coaches were over wanting to know who I was. Aye. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to poach him. <laughs> My son was probably playing that game as well then because Liam and Dylan played on the same side. Ah, right, right. Well, yeah, he's the same age. There was another little, there was a real small guy played in the team as well. He, he, he Really good game that day. I can't think of his name. But he was, he, and I was thinking, geez, he's small, like, you know, even yeah. at that age. Yeah. Yeah. But they were... Um, I think the day I went to see them, I think they won. Like they, they, they played the top, um, a top amateur team in Glasgow. But the, 
levels was, you know, I probably probably wasn't the best game to go and judge them on because they were they were just levels above this this team. Yeah, yeah Liam's with Hamilton now, so I hope he does. I hope he does well. He's great at little attitude. Yeah. yeah, I guess a great move for him as well. Again, he can. It's not too far from home, and yeah, Hamilton give boys chances, don't they? So great move for him. Good luck to him. Yeah. Yeah, but that's just the end of the. All the boys were together from like ten years old up to now, and they've had great times going to tournaments abroad and stuff, and now. Some of them, they've had to go separate ways. Just it's, part and part of it. It's funny, um, my son was uh, an amateur footballer at the time. He was only a kid. And we, uh, we were in Spain and we went to look at the Hearts game. Started to playing Hearts. It was Easter Sunday. And I got chatting to Stephen. He was in watching the match. Never met him before. But when we were coming back in the taxi that evening, my, son's, my, my son was old, he's older. He's 21, so he's older than Liam. Liam was only a baby, only a little lad. And coming back in the car, he said to me, he says, Dad, he says, See that little lad playing football, he says. He could do anything with a ball. He's brilliant. And I remember when Liam went, went down to the, you know, started to play for Celtic. Now, my son telling me, he says, I told you, he says, I told you he was good. So he's taking credit for discovering. And I wish Liam and all the boys the best of luck because, yeah. as you know, more than anybody, you know, it's not always a, a pavement, a gold pavement for, for players who come through the youth system. No, you, you probably seen that as well. All the ones that maybe coming through that are all spoke about and everybody expects them to go and kick on and have a great career. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. You know, sometimes it's like, a, okay, you mentioned the Kieran Tierney story earlier there. You just never know. You know, it comes down to attitude and who wants it the most. And how are you going to deal with setbacks? Are you going to go into a shell and cry about it? Or are you going to puff the chest out and really go at it and go and show them? Yeah, whatever happened to Kieran Tierney, he seemed to disappear <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure um, to chat to you, Barry. Uh, it's our first time chatting as well. So, listen, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, talk to us today. But just before we go, are we going to do this 10? Is this team going to do 10? It's a hell of a, an ask. It really is. Um, and the challenge this year seems to be, so far, the challenge is um, it's definitely there, but a long way to go so hopefully yeah hopefully come May we're back in the football stadium and we can have a few points to celebrate hopefully hopefully yeah yeah as I said Barry thank you so much for chatting to us and letting us into your Celtic soul it's been brilliant to chat to someone who uh, maybe didn't have the glamorous career that was set that you thought was set out to Pat and, and to tell us about the pitfalls and the struggles of a player and I was really interested to hear you know how you were let go by Celtic and, and I suppose a, a hero to was all Matt O'Neill but it's, it's interesting to hear a different side of him you know because it seemed very cold the way you were yeah. told and that was the second time you were told because as, as a kid you were told as well so fair play to you for battling back uh, I loved I loved your little chat about how you left the dressing room in, in Motherwell you've gone right up in my estimations now you're, you're, you're almost making me, me top 10 top 10 <laughs> I want to have a point but um, so listen, hopefully the next time we can chat in person. And once yeah. again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And hopefully see you when we get back to Glasgow. Yeah, good man. Hi, Andrew. Thank you. Cheers, pal. Cheers. Bye. Now, it was great to chat to Barry about the ups and downs of trying to forge a career with the team you support and being told twice that you are not wanted at a club you love. More Than 90 Minutes, issue 110, digital edition, will be on sale from tomorrow. And you can pre-order the print copy by visiting our website, CelticFanzine.com, and we'll post all them out Friday when they arrive from the printers. We have also started work again on some video content, 
as we continue to build up the team with some younger blood coming up with fresh ideas. Thanks as always to my good pal Ronan McQuillan for producing the show. If you like what we are doing and you like to support us, you can do so by visiting the website celticfansing.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a pint. Thanks to everyone who has listened and supported us so far. It's much appreciated. You can download our new app. It's free and you will then have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, video, content and info on upcoming events, the latest from the fanzine and you can also click into our online shop at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms, so hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. We will also appreciate if you could hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV. Thanks again to our episode sponsor, Paddy's Point Bar and Restaurant, Lasagna, Spain, home of the Paddy's Point CSC. We can't wait to get back to hook up with Rory and the crew for another good session. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor the podcast, Please get in contact with us by email, info at celticfanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. Keep the comments coming in and let us know what guests you would like us to get onto the show. And if you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear it. We are back on Friday with episode 28, when Willie McStay will be our guest and we'll be chatting about all things Celtic. Enjoy the rest of the week. Let's hope the boys can do the business against St Mirren tomorrow night. Stay tuned, stay safe and keep the faith. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 